Thank you, Mandy. Lovely to see you all. I'm, I'm actually live now. Um, I did have this recorded, but I think my face broke the camera yesterday. And, uh, but it's great to be able to see so many of you. And uh, so welcome, welcome this morning. Um, as you can see, I've retreated inside. Um, that's partly because I need to do this on my computer, but also <clears throat> the first week that I did this, uh, I was outside and doing the filming and everything seemed fine. And then about halfway through the film, I felt insects crawling up my legs, uh, which made it really <laughs> difficult to concentrate. I don't think anyone had told them about social distancing. So uh, I thought it would be easier to uh, just finish off in here today. Um, apart from not being able to pass around the offering basket so you can have a chocolate, you'll have to uh, go and find your own today. Um, but just to mention, we, we do need money to continue coming in because we don't have the expenses of um, the hall hire and that kind of thing, but most of the expenses of the church are still there. So uh, if you usually gave in the offering basket, if you could do that online, that would be really helpful. The other way that you can give is to the food bank. They still need food. Um, Mandy, Ed and Freddie are going to start driving for them this week, just doing a day of helping to deliver stuff. Uh, if you look on the Facebook page and go down about a week's worth of, of posts, uh, you'll find all the details there of where and when to, to drop the food off. For the last two weeks, we've been looking at crisis situations in the Bible and what they can teach us about how to thrive during this time of pandemic. And uh, today we're going to briefly look at a guy called David and what he learnt from and what he did from uh, self-isolating. Uh, David was a young guy from an obscure family who suddenly rose to fame and uh, God's hand of blessing was upon him wherever he went, whatever he did. You may have heard the story about how he killed uh, an incredible warrior called Goliath and then went on to be the, uh, one of the generals in the army and uh, became very famous throughout the land, very successful. He had the favor of the king, uh, King Saul, and he even married Saul's beautiful daughter. Things really were on the up for him. But then suddenly, even more quickly, things started to unravel because King Saul became jealous of David's success and uh, it quickly built to a point where David had to run for his life. He had to leave his family, his wife, uh, his parents, his uh, siblings, he had to leave everything that had made him successful, everything that provided him income suddenly disappeared overnight. And uh, he suddenly found himself as an outlaw. Uh, and yet he'd done nothing wrong. In fact, everything he'd done, he had done for the benefit of the king who was trying to kill him. So when David fled, he ran to the desert, uh, to uh, a place where there were a series of caves and uh, I should be able to show you a picture here of what the caves, the, the area looked like, as you can see. Probably no Netflix there, not many chocky bickies either, uh, a very inhospitable place, 
and uh, that's where David was, uh, the cave of Adullam, that they nicknamed the, the stronghold. The story comes in 1 Samuel 22, and we're told, soon David's brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt, who were, or who were just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. When we planted this church, God told us from this passage that these were the kinds of people he would bring to us, people who were in debt, distress, or discontented, or perhaps all three. And uh, so we want you to know this is a good place to be. Even though we can't meet together physically, we can still support each other online through connection groups and through the pods that have just been set up as well. So please let me know if you'd like to join either of those. They are a place of emotional and spiritual support and also a place where we can provide practical support to each other. This church is also a place where it's okay not to be okay. You can be real here about the struggles that you're facing. Some people find that difficult because they're so used to hiding what they're feeling and the pain that they're carrying behind uh, some kind of facade or mask, just in case they get uh, found out. You know, some, I don't know what the churches are like that you've been in before, but very often it's not easy to be real. And we, it's important to us that we can be real with each other. David had little to do. He had no business to generate any money. And then suddenly he found himself with lots of people to care for. Imagine what it would have been like, a, a very stressful time, I think, uh, having to feed 400 people every day. Uh, we've got five in our household and, and quite a lot of food is consumed. So imagine what it would be like for 400. And at the back of his mind, there would have been the constant knowledge that uh, King Saul had sent out search parties to get him and that King Saul was at the head of his entire army to try and capture David and kill him. So what are some of the principles that David employed when he had to self-isolate? Well, amongst other things, he wrote Psalm 142, which I'm going to read you in a moment. He wrote that when he was in the stronghold, and it gives us a good picture of how David responded and how to stay healthy and strong. It's entitled, a Psalm of David regarding his experience in the cave, a prayer. I cry out to the Lord. I plead to the Lord for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. So the first thing he does is he cries out to the Lord. And uh, verse 2, he pours out his complaints. And that's always a very good place to start. 
emotionally, it can help us to release the load that we're carrying. It helps us to be real about the difficulties that we're carrying. And, uh, but we don't want to stay in that place. We don't want to just continue to wallow in our problems. And so the second thing he does is, uh, comes in verse three, is that he acknowledges God's ability. He says, when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. And here's some great news. God knows. God understands our situation. He sees what's going on. He knows how difficult it is. And more than that, he knows the solution. He knows which way to turn. It was verse 5 that really hit me when I read this recently as David continues to look to God for help. He says, I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Is that something we can say to God? You're all I really want in life? When all the stuff around us has been shown up for how temporary and unreliable it is, what does it reveal about what's going on inside? Do we hunger for God? Are we willing to orient our life towards him and have him in first place and serve him? Jesus said, recorded in John chapter 4, verse 34, my food is to do what God wants. He is the one who sent me, and I must finish the work that he gave me to do. If you can find some time to review how things are, how much of your life do you want to be consumed by stuff, by the things that we now see as being unreliable, shakeable, and have no eternal consequence? Thing we knew that they were like that before, but this situation has highlighted it. If you can make space to do it, this is a brilliant time to review where your life is heading and what you want to get out of it, what you want to achieve. The third thing that David does that can really help us is to be real with God. Sometimes we seem to think that when we're around God, we have to be on our best Sunday behavior. Uh, as if God doesn't know already what we're uh, really feeling and uh, what's going on inside. And so David says, hear my cry, for I am very low. I don't know if any of you have felt that it's been a bit like this recently. It was a bit like that for me on Thursday morning. Uh, there was just so many things going around in my head, decisions to make, uh, deadlines to meet, all that kind of thing. And uh, so I did a, a bit of that to God and uh, to Mandy as well <laughs> and uh, prayed and then looked at my to-do list, which was about a dozen things for that day and uh, just took off all but five and then managed to complete two of them, I think, probably. But uh, just to release the load like that. But seriously, the best place we can go when we're feeling low, when we're feeling overwhelmed, is to our loving Heavenly Father who knows how we're feeling, who knows why we're feeling that way, what some of the buttons are that we have and the wounds that we're carrying. Um, and also he has the resources to be able to lift us up. So he's a great place to turn to. And so the fourth thing that David does is that he asks for help. 
He says, rescue me from my persecutors, for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. Uh, David acknowledges it's beyond him, and so he needs God help. When I bring my needs to God, a strange and sometimes imperceptible shift happens, and I start to see things from God's perspective. I start to be able to see how God can help, and I begin to receive that help that I need. So some of it's stuff that happens inside me, some of it is stuff that happens around me. Impossibilities don't seem to be quite so huge or impossible after all because I have God with me and I have his resources to help me. And so the fifth thing that David does is to thank God for the future. And he does that when he's at that point of feeling lowest, not when things have changed, not when he's been got out of the cave and he's been restored and everything's tickety-boo, but he thanks God at that point of lowest, uh, feeling lowest, and he thanks God for the future. And as we are honest with God about how we feel, how helpless we may feel, uh, fearful, whatever it may be, you can fill, fill the blanks there, we don't stay there. We start thanking God at that point for the victory that he's going to bring. And that changes us on the inside. It changes our perspective, it changes our emotions, and it changes things spiritually. I'm sure on Thursday morning there was some spiritual warfare going on. There is most days, most of the time, and so we need to be aware of that as well. As I pointed out before, if just before you go to sleep you write down three positive things, three things to be thankful for from the day, and uh, you just write those three things down or just acknowledge those three things. As you sleep, your brain rewires itself uh, to become more positive and more thankful. Uh, if you go to sleep angry, it does the opposite. It rewires you to be more critical, angry and negative. And uh, that's just a natural process that God has given us. And when we allow God to help us as well, things can really change. When David wrote this psalm, he didn't know what the outcome would be. Would he be saved? Would the prophecy about him becoming king of Israel ever be fulfilled? Or would he stay as a fugitive for the rest of his life? Would he ever see his wife again? In the book of Daniel, in the Bible, there were three senior civil servants who got into trouble with the king because they refused to bow down and worship the king. The king said, do it or die. But their response is very clear. It's recorded in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the God statue that you've set up. This is a very real and honest response. Following God doesn't guarantee that we're not going to face problems. We don't know whether we'll be individually protected from the virus or not. We don't know what is going to happen globally with this recession that it looks like we're going to hit. But we do know that God is with us, that he's supporting us, and that he's with us every minute of the day. 
And so we know that when the end comes, whether that's through sickness or persecution or old age, that that is not even the end, but it's just the beginning of more life with Jesus. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, this life that we have is just a small blip in eternity compared with the life that we will have with God for forever. And so we live this life with eternity, with the future in mind. At the end of this psalm, David, despite the difficulty of the situation that he was in, says to God, you are good. And so I thought it would be good just to finish this bit off by uh, saying that to God. And uh, so I'm going to pray. And uh, Father, I want to thank you that you are always good, no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens to us or to the ones that we love, that you love us, that you're for us, that your arms are surrounding us, you're just waiting there for us to respond to you, that you are always good, that you have the comfort and strength that we need. We thank you that your goodness extends to providing everything that we need. Uh, thank you that you give us the creativity and uh, as it says in, um, where is it, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 20, is it? Something like that. That uh, you give us the creativity to be able to prosper, to be able to make, uh, to make wealth. And so, Father, I pray that for this church, for your people during this time, that we would be people who prosper. That you would give us creativity, that you give us ideas for how to solve the situations in the businesses that we're in or even to create new businesses we think thank you that this is a time when you are just as much with us as when things appeared to be so easy and smooth and so i bless you i bless you in the name of yahweh uh, the god who was and is and is to come the god who was with you even as you were being formed in your mother's womb, the God who is with you today, wherever you are, and the God who will be with you every single day of your future. I bless you in the name of God Almighty, the creator of everything, who created this beautiful weather we've got today. And if he can do that, he can look after us. He created the lilies, the bluebells that are just beginning to come out. And... Uh, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the richness of everything that we see around us. We thank you for the way that the created order shouts to us at how incredible you are. I bless you with an increased sense of the Holy Spirit, making Jesus real to you wherever you go. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in each of our different houses and gardens, wherever we are. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and fill us? And just as we ask when we're meeting together in the same building, I ask that you would come and you would start to minister your healing, that you would bring your comfort, that you would bring peace, that you would bring joy, that you bring an increased awareness of how much you love us and how much you delight in us and how your eyes sparkle when you look at us. And we welcome you when we ask Jesus, please would you come and take your rightful place in our lives.